0: This episode is sponsored by our brand new book, This Naked Mind, Nicotine. I've co-written this book with author of Alcohol Explained, William Porter, and I combined our trusted approaches for controlling alcohol and bringing the same science-backed, grace-led methods for all those who are ready to change their relationship with nicotine, vaping, smoking, chewing, whatever it is. We uncover the subconscious beliefs about smoking and vaping that keep us stuck in the same cycle. We ask thought-provoking questions and share exercises that spark clarity in your journey to kick the habit without willpower, without pain, without feeling like you're missing out in an easier way that maybe you ever thought it was possible. So if you're ready to start healing your mind and body from the effects of smoking, you can pre-order your copy today at thisnakedmindnicotine.com.
1: Hi, this is Annie Grace and welcome to This Naked Mind podcast. I'm here with Jordan. Welcome, Jordan.
2: Uh, Good morning, or should I say good afternoon or good evening, Annie. Uh, (laughs) It's great to be here and good to see you again.
1: Yeah, good to see you again. Uh, what time is it there for you? Super uh, early, seven a.m. in the morning oh, over nice. here. All Very right, a
2: early, but that's all right. I've had my coffee. I'm good to go.
1: Awesome. It's like three for me, so we're. So anyway, why don't we start with um, kind of backing way up to the beginning. Where where did it start with you and your journey with alcohol? What about your first drink and and the early days?
2: Well, um, interestingly, actually, I first got drunk when I was four years old, which um, is quite what? outrageous, I don't know. But don't worry, my <laughs> drinking career didn't really start then; it was more of a um, just a once-off. But uh, I find it interesting that I actually vividly remember it because uh, I don't remember too much when I was four years old. But I do remember getting up early, being up early in the morning once, and and walking around the kitchen with my little brother who was about two years old, and opening the fridge and there was a glass of red wine that had some some cling wrap over it for whatever reason mum and dad hadn't drunk it the night before and I knew it was the wrong thing to do but I I guess I was just a bit cheeky a bit curious and adventurous so you know I had a good drink of it and I tried to offer some to my brother but he he was like no no I guess he knew it was the wrong thing to do and then um, you know the next thing I remember was having a shower with mum and not being able to stand up and then being put to feeling really sick and being put to bed. And,
1: wow. and mum, tells
2: me, yeah, mum tells me now that, you know, she the the red stain on my upper lip was the giveaway and she worked out what had happened to her horror her and dad's horror, of course. But um, yeah, it's interesting that I just remember that, but um, I didn't really touch alcohol again for many years. Thankfully, I'm glad to say I didn't just start drinking from four years old onwards. Um, but I, I remember having a taste, you know, alcohol was always around the house at home. Um, it was just a normal part of life, as I think it is in a lot of our culture, um, probably similar to um, a lot of Western cultures. Um, and I remember being curious again when I was about 10 or 12 years old and taking a little sip of an empty bottle of sherry or something that was out the back by the recycling. And and I had a tiny sip and just thought it was absolutely revolting. And yeah, that was the end of that for a few more years, but it was probably around about when I was 16 to 17 that I remember my my brother and a best friend of mine sort of pinched a little bit of Chinzano or something from upstairs. Um, I don't know if mum and dad were out, but they didn't know what we were doing and we had a few drinks. And that was the first time that I recall having a few drinks and just thinking and just being silly with my friends and thinking, oh my God, this is amazing. It, it was great. and. You know, I look back on it now and I was a really shy, um, self-conscious mm. kid. And I found that uh, it just enabled me to relax a lot uh, now that I look back at it. Anyway, um, over the next few years, as I was just a young adult, drinking just became a really normal thing for any party and social situation, more so and more so as the years sort of went along. Um, and I guess, yeah, There's, I'm trying to think where to go next.
1: Was it pretty typical with everyone around you as well?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Any parties that we went to, um, you know, drinking was just a normal thing and it wasn't seen as something that was, you know, all that bad and and everyone seemed to be doing it everywhere, I guess. Um, I eventually found myself to the Australian ski fields when I was about 22 years old. Um, I was a little bit lost. I wasn't quite sure what to do with myself. I dropped out of uni, I traveled the country, sort of picking fruit and just writing in my journal and um, just wanting to, I don't know, I, I just, I was a little bit, uh, not quite sure what to do with myself and found the ski fields and I found that a really enjoyable place to, Live and work, and there there was a, a party on every day of the week. It was you know just non stop for three or four months of the year, and um, yeah, being able to we I guess party hard, work hard, and ski hard every day, and it was you know almost uh, you'd wear it as a like a badge of honor to be able to just carry on day after day, um, and it was considered just a fun part of life to just party and drink, and um, I kept going back to the ski fields. I guess I was I was thinking about it. Over the next 20 years, there was probably, you know, I, I could probably count the number of days where I wasn't drinking up at the ski fields in those winter times on on one hand. It was just uh, pretty full on for, for all, all of winter anyway. But um, it just made, it was a, a normal part of life outside of that as well for me. And I didn't really consider anything was too, wrong with it for the most part Um, especially when I was in my 20s and 30s I had little when I look back now there were little indicators that uh, were showing me that I was I wanted to be something better than what I was and I knew that alcohol was kind of holding me back here and there but I didn't really delve into the thought of it too much for too long because it was just too hard to deal with I think and and it was just everyone was doing it it was fun for the most part. Um, I guess when I I think about in about 2006, I was right into, I'm an outdoors type of person. I was right into um, skiing and running and rock climbing as I still am. And I, I met a friend of mine who had a rock climbing cliff um, in about 2006 who had who was not drinking for something that seemed like ridiculous at the time he was a bit of a party animal um and i knew him in other parts of my life but uh he'd stopped drinking for about six weeks when we were rock climbing and he said oh yeah i don't i don't drink when i go rock climbing because you know i just enjoy my climbing so much more and i remember that as just being a bit of a pivotal moment because before then i sort of thought well you you drink and you know you act a bit silly at night time and you might feel a little bit rough in the morning but other than that it doesn't really affect you and you know if you just by the afternoon you're good to go and you're fine and this kind of made me look into it and realize that you have a, a lot of mental stability and strength that which is what you really need in rock climbing and you really notice it and um i realized that maybe it affected me a little bit longer than that because after speaking to my friend and that's when I think I started to really try to moderate my drinking. Um, and it didn't really work that well. I mean, I had periods where I wasn't drinking and that um, would never last for too long. And it, I still didn't ever want to stop drinking or anything, but um, I, I'm trying, trying to think, sorry, Annie.
1: I've oh yeah, no, no problem. It's amazing. Let's call them ski fields. I just like, we call them, I don't know, I don't know, ski mountains, ski hills. I like that though, ski fields. It's just, I love language.
2: Yeah, yeah. I guess we, they're not quite the rocky peaks and mountains that you'll get over in Colorado, but they're still pretty good fun over here.
1: That's awesome.
2: So I guess one thing that I, I, when I look back at when I was drinking lots, um, I realized that I used to think I was kind of gifted that I'd never get a hangover. Mm. It was very, very rare unless, you know, maybe some other drugs were involved and you could drink like a a superhuman or something like that. But usually I could just carry on the next day, just maybe have a coffee or two and I'd be good to go. And um, I think maybe now that was, you know, maybe not such a great thing because it allowed me just to carry on for so many years as, what I sort of thought was a reasonably fit and active and intelligent and thoughtful and successful person, but really it was affecting me a lot more than that. Um, yeah, I had a couple of instances in my younger years when I uh, took LSD with friends. And, you know, we, we would go camping or go and stay at a friend's farm often and just have a fun weekend. Um, but I I do remember when I look back a couple of times about how I would end up having what would be considered I guess a bad trip and I'd just get really introspective on myself and notice uh, how I was able to look into my life and into the future and realize that my lifestyle was so vastly different to my own values which were more so um, you know I saw myself as a really fit and healthy person and thoughtful and respectful to other people and myself and whatnot but on the on the I was able to see on the side here but I had this habit where I I got pretty wasted quite a lot drank a lot and when I did I smoked cigarettes and and it was just so at odds with um how I wanted to be that I felt it very I found it very uncomfortable and um I guess now when I look back at it, I realise it's the cognitive dissonance that was going on that was just bubbling to the surface so much um, when I did um, have those experiences. Um, I, and, you know, this may have happened in the early 2000s. I'm, I'm talking, it still didn't affect me too much. I didn't really enact too much change in my life. Um, I guess as I got a little bit older, You know, I had a partner and had uh, a child and suddenly I I realized that, I guess drinking became not just a party, um, something that was doing at party occasions and social occasions, it just became a a daily ritual and um, it became a normal thing to relax at the end of the day, just to have a beer or two or maybe more. Um, And I noticed that it was something that if I tried to moderate it was really really difficult Um, yeah I guess it was just I was slowly starting to realize that you know I wanted to be someone different and I was growing to someone who was you know just someone I guess I'd look into the type of person I wanted to grow up to be or be when I was older
1: Tell me more about that. Like you've said that a few times. I really want to hear more about like you wanted to be someone different. What did, what did that look like to you at that time?
2: Well, I I think I was always had goals of, you know, being a reasonably high achieving athlete, for example. And, and I didn't know exactly what my purpose in life was, but I knew I had the potential to be really, really good at something and, and, to really offer the world something um, so much more than what I was doing. I I felt like I was just running a bit of a mediocre life, which was, you know, I I wasn't short of money. I had a lovely family that I was growing, that I had, um, and I was fit and healthy. I just knew I could be a lot better. And um, I think that awareness just slowly got higher and higher as the years went along and nothing was really changing in my, Lifestyle, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think another thing that really, really made a difference for me was I. I was working for most of my adult life. I had this great um, summer job where I would be working on abseiling ropes, um, and this would take me for work in Southeast Asia, all around Australia, where I'd do inspection and repairs on steel structures, bridge bridges, offshore gas platforms. Um, shipping yards in Southeast Asia, everywhere. It was fantastic fun. It gave me an opportunity to travel and I got paid great money. Um, But around the time when I had my first son, I started working in Bass Strait on some offshore facilities and I'd be working two weeks away and two weeks um, back at home. And when I was away, there was absolutely no alcohol available out there um, on the gas platforms. And I became really aware that i just didn't even think about it when i was out there i'd go for two two weeks without having a drink at all and i wouldn't even notice it and what i did notice is that i felt absolutely fantastic after about three or four days every time i was out there and i got to the point where every time i went out i only did this for about a year um full time i got to the point i was looking forward to going out there because i knew after four days of being working offshore i'd start sleeping fantastically and feeling really good. However, when I got back home, you know, um, within two or three days, I was back to just, you know, I might have one beer the night I got back and then maybe none the next night. And then I'd catch up with some friends for a party and have a whole bunch of beers. And then within a week, I was back to drinking six beers a night and just going, oh, why am I doing this? I couldn't seem to control it. Mm -hmm. Yet when it wasn't available, it wasn't even a problem at all. Um, it didn't even, I I didn't even give it a second thought. And I, I I even noticed how much I enjoyed my life when I wasn't drinking out there, despite the fact I was away from my home and my family and, you know, working with a bunch of guys out on 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 a platform out in the middle of nowhere. Um, so that was another point in my life where I started to realize greatly that, uh, alcohol was just starting to take more away from me than it was giving and I couldn't seem to stop myself from drinking it um, too regularly and uh, still took me about seven years after that before I actually was able to do enact any proper change in my life Um, and there as I'm sure you know can be pretty painful years that go by where you're just trying and trying to moderate I have journal entries for the years that follow that period where I'm you know, probably half drunk at night, sitting there writing down my goals. Like I, I wanna play a few songs on the guitar. I wanna finish a course I'm doing in, in training and assessing people at work. I wanna, um, you know, get really, really fit and strong and start running some really good um, running races, which is something that I love doing. And then I'd finish off the scribbling goals with, if you just fucking stop drinking, you know it was like a message to myself for the morning or something and still and that just went on and on for quite some time it was as the years went by it just I just kept trying to moderate and my my thoughts I I never considered not drinking at all the the whole idea of that was just scared me so much and just sound like such a bummer because you know i loved drinking you know, i loved catching up with friends and having a beer i loved having a glass of wine with people at dinner time and social occasions and sitting down at the end of the day and having a beer having some beers at the end of a work day with friends it just seemed like such a valuable part of my life and i loved that yet i absolutely hated the effects it was having on my um overall my long-term goals and I could see that it was eating away at you know um, other parts of my life so that was quite painful and yet I I tried and tried to moderate for many years and you know at times I did pretty well and I'd go for a a few days or a week without drinking but then I would think oh you know I'm all over this I can have a beer or two here and there and and then within a week or two, I was back to drinking. You know, sometimes, often maybe one or two or three beers a night, but sometimes six beers, and then half a bottle of wine, or just, um, and then, and then feeling, you know, dusty the next next day, and I guess just feeling like I was dragging my feet around all the time, um, and not being able to do anything about it. It was, it was a pretty desperate time. And I found I was getting a bit desperate to find answers and change. And um, you know, I I realised I wasn't being the father to my children because I had two kids. um, My my second son was born in two thousand and fifteen. I had two young boys, and and I realised that you know I was setting an example of that they would probably follow as they grew up, just as I had when I was growing up, that alcohol was a normal part of your life. And I could also see that I wasn't as present and um, supportive and engaging with my kids as much as I really wanted to, and with my partner as well. And I could see that alcohol was had a great um, effect and that it was at the root cause um, of why that was, why that was so. Um, but I still couldn't, I wasn't able to really do anything about it. a um, couple of things, I, I, I guess I just, before I actually made a big change in my life, I, I just really didn't know what to do. I didn't know about this Naked Mind, it was probably in its infancy back then, but I didn't reach out really looking for help from anyone else either. I didn't consider myself an alcoholic and someone like Alcoholics Anonymous or something, I couldn't even, I didn't even bother even looking into that because I was like, oh, I'm not an alcoholic, you know, I've just, I've just got a bit of a, I just got to try and moderate a little bit better. And uh, in my desperation to search, I, I, I thought back about the time about when I had taken LSD a few times earlier in my life, and how that had really brought this up to the surface so much in such an early part of my life. And I thought, I, I wanted to get hold of that again, and, and I, I felt like that would be, that would probably help me change somehow. So, and I managed to, it took a little while, but I found some, I mean, it's illegal in our country as it probably is to yours. So, you know, I don't support the idea of taking this, but um, I was desperate at the time and I got hold of some and I cut it up into really, really tiny bits. So I started microdosing on um, small occasions and trying to not drink on the day before I microdosed or the day I had it because this is how aware I was of how much alcohol would affect me. I knew if I had even one or two beers the night before, I was affected the following day, even if it was only slightly. Um, and I just focused on wanting to think about my life and my goals and about drinking when I microdosed, and just wanted to see what came up. And to some extent it, I think I put some, I was putting so much effort into focusing on my drinking that um, inevitably that just led me to find the answers that I needed. And it certainly allowed me to focus a lot on a lot of my goals. I, I started running um, quite consistently and I trained really well for a running, a trial running race here that I went well in, which was great. And um, yeah, but, It wasn't really this magic pill that changed anything I found that ultimately, you know, even if I was getting really introspective and starting to journal about my thoughts and and focusing on goals like running and whatnot. Maybe I'd stop drinking for a few days and then I would just reward myself on the weekend and really get on it with some friends at the pub or something like that. And, you know, after six months or so nothing had really changed. But I was still very aware that I just wanted to be leading a different life, and um, yeah, my values were more about health and family and connection, and and I I, I wanted to just be a, a better role model in my community for my family, my kids, and and everyone else around. And I I just found I wasn't doing that. I was kind of had a lot of secrets. I was you know secretly drinking more than anyone else would have really known. Um, who knew me. Most people probably didn't think I had a problem at all. I just said, what are you talking about? You're you're fine, you know, great job, great family. Um, But to me, it wasn't enough. Um, And that was definitely showing at home as well. My partner had said to me at some stage, probably around 2017, that we should get relationship counselling. Um, because she wasn't happy with um, our relationship, of course and and I recognized that most of the most of the reason for this was because I was so disconnected in the evening times with drinking. and I said to her I don't think we need relationship counseling at the moment. I think I need counseling. Mm, and
1: that's really aware.
2: Yeah, it was. Um, but I guess I could see straight away that if we went to relationship counseling, I guess I could picture it and I just knew straight away that, you know, the reason that there were so many problems was communication between my partner and myself was not great. And a lot of that was just because I sort of numbed out, disconnected and, and went about my merry sort of way, drinking a few beers each night or wines. And, and I, I just wouldn't engage really, really well anyway. Um, so I went through a period where I ended up seeing a couple of counselors and I you know I gained a lot out of those sessions with those two people but to their credit they weren't um, uh, substance abuse counselors or um, alcohol specific counselors and I got some great tips about you know emotional um, intelligence and connection with people and my partner and my family, et cetera. But when it came to the drinking, which I'd brought up with each of them on a couple of occasions that I think this is an issue. And the response mainly that I got from them was, well, you've just got to try and drink a little bit less, maybe just you know, don't drink quite as as much, which is, that's great. But um, like I said, they weren't um, counselors in alcohol or drugs and it didn't really help ultimately yeah you know, i should okay yep sure I'll, I'll just drink less and you know i'll just hold back and then that as you know is just something that um a little bit of willpower like that doesn't last too long and so no change really um occurred and um i guess i'm getting close to about yeah, you know, 2018 2019 when um yeah i had a I think that the biggest incident that really brought about change was there was one evening when I can't even remember what the topic was about, but I'd had a really um, pretty abusive argument with my partner and, you know, it was one evening. And I think she was probably just talking about how much better I could be as a father with the kids and, and as a partner to her. And it was probably something that I was trying to dismiss and, I can't remember what I said, but I knew that I was irrationally verbally abusive, and I remember waking up in the morning, just going, "Oh, what did you say last night?" Oh God, I couldn't quite remember, but I just felt uh, I've done. I'm sure it was. I knew it was irrational, and I knew I'd overreacted, and I could see the look in her face, and her, that um, she was really disappointed and sad as well. And I, I guess this was a point where I thought, if I don't change something significant here, I'm gonna lose my relationship and lose this, you know, tight bond of a family that I would like us to have and see us having. And uh, so I started getting really desperate then for something, some way to change. And I wrote my partner a letter admitting that, you know, I really, I recognize that my behavior had to change and that I have some struggles that I have to go through. Um, I left it pretty vague, but it was enough at least that she was very happy that i recognized that I had to do something about it. Um, and I guess, luckily, I guess I was on the lookout for it, but I think shortly after that, within a, a few weeks, I was reading the paper one morning and there was a, um, a review of a book called The Alcohol Experiment, which I was reading at, at the um, breakfast table and I thought, wow, this, this is exactly what I need, I'm sure of it. And I ordered it right then and there on the spot and it came in the mail within a week. And yeah, I, I think I instinctively knew that this was the key that I'd need. It's just a little bit of science-backed um, information about alcohol and it had so much more in it than, than I thought it had. But uh, I didn't quite start reading it straight away because I was about to go on a beach holiday with my parents and my family and uh, you know, traditionally I'll hang out with my dad in the afternoon and have a beer and then drink wine with them at dinner time. And this was an enjoyable thing for me to do. So I won't read it until after that. And then after that, my partner and I had planned to go on a skiing holiday without our kids to Japan for two weeks. And I thought, well, I can't not drink on this overseas ski holiday. Finally, we've got a holiday away without the kids. Um, So I decided I'd wait for a month before I read the book, Um, but I took it with me down to the beach. And after the first night I was there, I was really curious about the book. So I read the intro and I decided then and there, I I had a little bit of think about it and thought, you know what, is this really such a big deal? And I'll probably actually enjoy myself on this skiing holiday more possibly if I don't drink, I'll ski better and I'll, I'll connect with my partner better. So I just started my 30 days right then and there which overlap (laughs) yeah this beach holiday and the and the overseas ski holiday and I never intended to entirely stop drinking at all but I from the day I started that alcohol experiment I pretty much just everything resonated so well with me and it was just the spark that I needed to um ignite all the all of the dissonance that I had inside my head and and dissipate it all and I had this amazing experience going through all the act techniques and and disassembling all my beliefs about alcohol. And um, I've never had the desire to even have a drink since. It was an amazing experience. Um, And yeah, I enjoyed the ski holiday like nothing else. Um, my, My partner, of course, was super proud of me. And I've absolutely never looked back. Everything that I thought my life would be without drinking has come true plus more and more it's it's been amazing
1: that is just that's so cool because what you did by just deciding to do it on the ski holiday is you instantly showed yourself that life is better that way instead of you know reinforcing the okay well I can do this while life's boring but I'll still miss alcohol when life's fun that's really cool
2: yeah yeah absolutely and um You know, it was a bit tricky at the start, but it just gets easier and easier. And uh, yeah, never looked back.
1: That's so cool, Jordan. So then you've gone on to um, become a certified This Naked Mind coach. So what prompted you to do that?
2: I have, yes. And um, yeah, I meant to say, first of all, that, you know, um, people think that I, I sort of had spontaneous sobriety and that it's just like, oh, instantly just happened for Jordan, but I reckon it happened for, it took a good 10 years of really trying before I got to that point of being able to um, break through through the alcohol experiment. But even I wasn't even halfway through the book when all I could think of was this weight that had lifted off my shoulders and off my chest. And I just was at so much peace finally with alcohol. There was no, all this noise and chatter about how much I'm drinking, when I should drink it it all, just gone. And I just couldn't believe it. I was like, this is, this is amazing. It's better than I could possibly imagine. And, and almost just as instantly, I just wanted to share that with someone else and other people. I thought, my God, I mean, so-and-so and and -and so-and-so, I know they're having a bit of trouble with their drinking as well. I just wanted to share my experience and let people know, my God, you don't know what's, you don't realize what's out there when you've got, Hold and, and, and control over alcohol, and you don't understand how much it's sort of enslaving us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it doesn't enslave everyone, but I just wanted to share it. And I think um, when us as humans, when we're not uh, under stress and we're, you know, comfortable in our own lives, I think ultimately we're, we're good natured and we just want to help other people. And that's exactly what I experienced as soon as I'd freed myself of this, I just wanted to share that with other people. And, and I tried that for, you know, a year or two, I had a couple of people who are really interested. They're going, oh my God, you've just stopped drinking entirely. And I was like, yeah, I just have, I just don't feel like it at all. I just, I read this book and it's got this, it talks about this and this and, and I bought the book for a few people and I gave it to a few people. And, um, but it didn't really have the same effect on other people as it did on me. And and I guess, looking back, I guess I'm a reasonably introspective person. I've journaled most of my life. I've really had a good, I'm, I'm, I've always liked looking at myself. Um, and so I, th- I think there was a lot of work that I had done in helping myself change over those years, just from some of the those things that I did to myself. So, uh, when I found out that This Naked Mind was um, training people to be coaches, to help people, I thought, well, that's what I wanna do for sure. Because um, I realized that I needed uh, many more skills and many more outlooks to really engage with other people and help them change their relationship with alcohol. So I signed up and I did my training with This Naked Mind last year and I've uh, started up my own business since then. Where I coach people and help them control alcohol.
1: That's so great. I think that one of the things that's really worth talking about a little bit is, you know, why it can be like just a book can work for somebody, and other people need a coach. And I think that that's such good again awareness. I mean, that's a theme throughout your whole life is like this level of awareness of your circumstances and your your inner life and and um, your potential, but the awareness there which is really interesting, is you had what I would call like total readiness to change when you picked it up. And people might want to change or their lives might be significantly better, but they don't have like the 100% readiness to change. And how I understand change is there's really three key ingredients. And those ingredients are that you have to believe you can change. And that can be so self-defeating for people, especially if they've tried everything over and over and over. Right. And if they've, they've taken breaks and it's been miserable, or if, you know, the entire perspective of not drinking just sounds like, you know, a death sentence in ways like just terrible. Um, And, and they just don't trust themselves to do it because they've tried so many times they've proved to themselves, they just can't. Right. So you have to, you have to know that you can, you have to know it's possible. Human beings scientifically studied will not attempt something they don't know is possible. So that's number one. And that's where a coach can be so invaluable, like, because that possibility, that hope, that connection, that, you know, getting someone from not believing it's possible to actually believing it's possible is a huge hurdle and milestone. And, and then second, you have to believe that you are the one to change this. And I think so often we think, oh, there's going to be something outside of ourselves. And yeah, there can be help outside of you. There can be a book, there can be a coach, but at the end of the day, like taking total and complete ownership and responsibility for your own experience. And that's another area that a coach can so help with if if that isn't totally locked in and ready. And then the third thing is that you have to believe you must change now. And because we I've I've talked to thousands of people on these events that we do, we do these host these just free challenges and events. And you know, I ask people, I'm like, how many of you are waiting for someone in the future, a future version of you, to change this for you? And we are. We're just waiting. And and people will tell me things like, Well, if only my doctor would tell me I had to do this, or if only if this gets bad enough, I know that I'll fix it. I know I'll never let it get that bad, but we're waiting. For this future version of ourselves, which just predicates this rock bottom. It makes things get worse before they get better and they don't have to. And I think a coach can really help with that as well. And so I think that, you know, the science and the mindset shift contained in a book is great, but without that readiness to change that you already had, when you picked up the book, it's going to fall flat.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, Yeah, that's what i love being able to share with other people now and try to um give them is that you know make them realize that they can actually do this and like you say that it's there there is a need to get it done you don't need to wait until things go rock bottom but um Yeah, I guess I, I, and that was another thing where I was gifted with um, this offshore work that I did where I'd have periods where I was, I had to abstain and I realized I can do this. I don't even think about drinking and life's actually quite pleasant and I feel better. Um, That was at least was a little bit of a kickstart for me just to help me realize that I I do have it in me. It's there somehow, Um, but yeah, as a coach, um, you're able to, yeah you know, support people through that and get them to that point where change can happen.
1: I love that so much. So let's, let's um, ask, let me ask the two questions that I sort of end this with. First of all, Jordan, where can, um, where can people find you? And before I ask you that, I just want to find, because I really, I really appreciate how you describe your coaching practice, which is, you know, very much about um, really helping people like with the introspection and and looking into themselves and, you know, awakening their own inner wisdom, which I, I think is just a really great way to look at this entire thing. But where can people find you? Should they be interested in your coaching? Uh,
2: you can find me at au. Um, also on Facebook and just starting an Instagram account as well. But um, contact details there. I, okay. I call myself the No Man's the No Man's Land Coach. Um, just because I find that that point where you you're going around in circles trying to find the way out as kind of being in you know the middle of two battlefronts on a in a war zone. You're in you're in no man's land. No one really wants to be there.
1: Oh, I. I really that's a great name. I um last week we went to a lake with my daughter and my sons were just jumping off the dock into the lake jumping off the dock and she wanted to jump into the lake but she was scared. So what she did was lower herself down. She's 5. She lowered herself down and she's hanging off the dock and like <laughs> First of all, I'm super <laughs> impressed with her strength because she just won't let go, but she's just hanging there and you know her hands are starting to hurt, but she, her feet are in the water. It's not that high, but she just is so afraid to let go. And it, I just thought of that, like when you're in that moment of no man's land, when you've left your old way of life, you've already decided this isn't working, but you aren't willing to let go of it. And then it's, you're creating so much more pain for yourself because you're not willing to let go. And then of course the instant that she let go, she, you know, falls in the water and then it's the best thing she's ever done. And then she's going to do it, you know, a hundred more times and just having the time of her life. But like that, and I think it's, it's so profound because that moment, of. letting go of the old way of life to allow space for the new we can't experience the water if we're still holding on to the dock like we cannot experience the swimming and how great it might be and how good it might feel if we're still holding on to the dock and so to coach people through that really tough time i think and i mean we're all sitting there on the side like you can do it just like oh go. you got it <laughs> but
2: gotta do it yourself until you can realize that yeah yep.
1: that's, great. That
2: that's great right
1: so Jordan, um, let me ask you the question I always end with, which is: if you were going to go back in time to the version of yourself who was just looking around his life and feeling like, you know, there's there's more to this. I I want to be living a different life than this. I know I'm capable of more, and just feeling that sense of unfulfilled potential and un, you know lack of fulfillment in general. Um, and writing like stop fucking drinking in your journals, you know, just. That that person, what would you tell him about what life is like now?
2: Yeah, wow. It's um, I always think it's an interesting concept, and I love the idea. God, imagine imagine if we could time travel and talk to yourself. And um, yeah, I think um, look, if I if there was more than one thing I could tell myself, I'd, I'd sit myself down and and um, run through so much of what I learned through the alcohol experiment and just get it over and done with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a bit too much. I think ultimately I'd have to tell myself to just love yourself and trust yourself and everything you you think is possible is absolutely possible and more. Just because I think I'd, I'd, I had so much self doubt for so long and um, self-loathing as well, I think just just love yourself and trust yourself and you'll find the answers and everything is possible.
1: Oh, I love that so much. That's beautiful. So good. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure to get to know you better and hear your story. And I really appreciate it.
2: Oh, thanks so much, Annie. I really enjoyed it as well. It's great seeing you. As well.
0: Here's a question I get asked often. Annie, do you think your science-backed, grace-led approach to alcohol could work for other things, like nicotine? People have asked me this question for years, and the answer is a resounding yes. And finally, there's a book for that. William Porter, the author of Alcohol Explained, and I have joined forces to bring you This Naked Mind Nicotine. We've combined our proven habit-breaking systems that help thousands overcome alcohol without willpower, without pain, without missing out, to help people quit smoking and vaping the same way without the pain. So start your no-nicotine journey today by pre-ordering This Naked Mind Nicotine at thisnakedmindnicotine.com.